Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. Father, we thank you so much today for your word. Father, we thank you as we minister your word. We humble ourselves before you. We acknowledge that it's you, Father God, it's your Holy Spirit. Your Holy Spirit's the great teacher. Father, we yield ourselves to you uh, as we minister. We thank you that you help us. We thank you that you give everyone ears to hear. We get, and, and we'll give you all praise and glory, even now in advance, for everything in the name of Jesus. Amen. Today is the last Sunday that we're ministering on this series called It's the Anointing. Next week is Easter, so we'll be here at 10 o'clock. So don't forget about our combined service next week, 10 o'clock. And then we're going to go out and we're going to have like uh, Raymond's Got Talent or something like, is that what we're calling it? In our Easter fest and there's different ones. Uh, uh, Me and Pastor James are in a rock and, is it rock and roll that we're doing? Blues. So I'll be playing the bass, uh, doing some blues bass playing along with Pastor James. So we're, we're doing the, the talent show. I don't know how many people are doing the talent show. So that's next week. It'll be a great time outside after our church service. So here's our text scripture, Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27. It says, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. And then here's another translation of that same verse. It says, at that time, the Lord will remove their burden from your shoulders and their yoke from your neck. The yoke will be taken off because your neck will be too large. And so we've had some of the younger ones like kind of laugh and look at each other about big necks, you know, and the neck growing large. But, you know, in a serious way, this is what this is saying is we're flesh and blood and we're humans. And sometimes what happens in life can be very scary and intimidating because we're just simply like without God, we're flesh and blood and human. But then the God factor and God's power and anointing in our life, we then become supernatural Without him, we're just natural, but with God, we're supernatural. So when we look at this scripture, it's kind of like if somebody gets a report and the word cancer is in that report, that's not a, that's not a word n- none of us want to hear the word cancer. And there's never been a doctor that sat, said, sit down, I have good news to share with you, you have cancer. There's never been a doctor because the doctors know that isn't good news and that C word is a word that no one wants to hear. And so, you know, without God, just natural, flesh and blood. But then what we see here is with God and the anointing, it says the yoke will be taken off because your neck will be too large. And that's talking about God's power. So as I was meditating on this, the Lord gave me a couple phrases, very simple. He said this, how big the yoke and burden doesn't matter the fatness of the anointing will overwhelm them. 
and then the anointing will break the yoke and lift the burden. So this fatness, it, it's, it's kind of like, okay, the doctor says this, but God's power is much greater than that. And so uh, we want to get that, and we want to renew our minds. So even, even though, um, i get rid of this thing, excuse me. Uh, even though when we hear that word, it's not the word we want to hear. If we can put that over here, but right in front of us, what we want to think about and meditate on is God's power and how it can overwhelm any bad report that we would get. That's what we want to renew our minds with, and that's what we want to feed on. There isn't anything that God can't fix. There isn't anything that God can't fix. And so even if you've had past failures, that needs to go, that needs to get, forget those things that are behind and live for today. So a past failure, the Bible says, forgetting the things that are behind, you want to live for today. So the way we want to think today is there isn't anything that God can't fix. doesn't matter what happened yesterday, but this is today. There isn't anything that God can't fix today because of the anointing. All right, that's, that's the way that we want to think. So as we go through life, and if, if there's oppression or depression that comes, God is greater than oppression and depression. And his anointing can drive that out. You can have clarity in your mind, and you can have the joy of the Lord in your life. So it doesn't matter how long it's been one way today because of the anointing, it can be different. All right, that's the way that we want to think. So based uh, on even some of that, we want to today do something. We just want to share six helps to dispense the anointing. Just think six simple things that help us give out what we have. And we all have something, okay? So here's the first one we want to look at today is, first of all, you want to know your equipment. You know, what do you have? And it's important to know that you have something. So probably in this room, we may have some that are very young in Christianity. And then we have others that have been in Christianity for a long time. You know, because it's by grace, and these things are given to us as gifts, the young one, as far as anointing goes, your hands have the same power that flow through your hands. If, you, if you've only known the Lord for one day, your hands have the same power that flow through as somebody that's known the Lord for 70 years because it's gifted to us. So every one of us that know the Lord, power will flow through our hands. Now, obviously, if you're saved for 70 years, you have more knowledge, a lot more you should, than somebody that's only been saved for a day. So you have a knowledge advantage, but as far as the anointing and power go, there's no advantage. The gifts of God are for free, and he gives them freely to us. So here's a scripture in Acts chapter 3 and verse 6. It says, but Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. So Peter knew what he had. And because he knew what he had, he could give it. It's like my iPad here, uh, when I needed uh, my other iPad was starting to go bad. So I went to, I think, Harvey Norman, 
and I looked around. They had two really, two sizes, but then each size had, uh, you had about two options. One of them had more storage than the other, so you're looking at them, and, and I think maybe the pixel or whatever that is with the screen was a little better in one. I don't remember exactly. I'm not uh, a computer guy, but I had to choose. Do I want to spend a couple more hundred dollars and get more storage, and what, which model do I want? I made all my choices, and then I said, I'll take this one, and then I put my credit card down on the counter, and I paid for it. As soon as I walked, paid for it and walked out of that store, this iPad became mine. As soon as it became mine, and I knew it was mine, I knew I was going to have to pay the credit card too, I knew it was mine, I could then give it to somebody because it was mine. It's really hard to give something to somebody if you don't really believe it's yours. So what Peter said, he said, such as I have, I give. So every Christian needs to get to a place where they believe they have something. You believe that your hands can have power flow through them. You want to know your equipment. You want to know how you're equipped. A baby Christian can take God's promise, fill their mouth with it, and speak. It has the same power. If they believe it and speak it, it has the same power as a mature Christian doing it. So we all need to know what we have. So here's like a, a few things about this river that flows. We all have, we have more than this, but here's three things. We all have the word of God. So you feed and fill yourself with that word. Load that word in your mouth. God honors his word. He watches over his word to perform it. Get it in there and let it come out. And God watches over his word. He honors his word. Our hands, as I said already, your hands are anointed to lay hands on the sick. And then there's supernatural gifts, manifestations. What's a manifestation? It's something that manifests. So if you have that, it comes and goes. It manifests. Gifts of healings. So like there's a, a supernatural gift called gifts of healings. It will come when it's needed. And after you use it, it goes. It's a manifestation, okay? There's the manifestation of the working of miracles. It comes when it's needed, and it goes. So we have the Holy Spirit in us permanently, and we have the fruit of the Spirit in us permanently, but the gifts of the Spirit, they're manifested as they're needed. They come and go. Every one of us can have that. And so we have that going on. This go team this go team that we're talking about, they'll, and even with, with our Bible school, we have one time a month, they call it explosion day. They start praying, the go team, Bible school, and they'll pray and they'll get things. They'll see things like they'll see, well, I, I need to go to the train station in Woodridge and at the train station in Woodridge, there's going to be somebody and they see their clothes and the way they're dressed and they go there, and they find this person, and then they even know something about that person, and then they say yes, and they tell that person something about themselves that only they would know, and they minister to that person. That's a word of knowledge. It manifests. It comes, and it goes for a particular reason, okay? And people end up getting saved, and they end up getting ministered to when those kind of things happen. 
So we can all have that. So the first thing that helps us dispense what we have is to know what you have, your equipment. Secondly, you want to always determine how. How is this ministry going to happen? There were times when Jesus walked on the earth that he wasn't the one that determined how somebody was going to be healed. The person that got healed determined how they were going to get healed. And there's a, a thought there because sometimes, you know, the Bible says to rightly divide the word of God. Rightly divide. In other words, if, we, if we're to rightly divide, it's possible that we wrongly divide the word. So when we wrongly divide the word, it means we don't understand it properly. So here's an example. There, we should, if we rightly divide the word of God, we recognize God is being sovereign. There are some people that have gone extreme, and they say God isn't sovereign. That's not right. God is sovereign. But then there's an extreme on the other side that says God is sovereign, so he's in control of everything. And I have nothing to do with anything. God controls it all. Well, that's, that's not balanced. That's not rightly dividing. God is sovereign, and it would be totally wrong to strip that anybody's idea that God isn't sovereign. But if you rightly divide the word, you know the areas that he's sovereign in, and then the areas that we're responsible for, okay? So you'll see when Jesus walked on the earth that we're going to look at a couple examples where these people determined how they were healed. It wasn't Jesus that determined. And they went and, and they went this one. Let's just look at this one lady. Well, before we do, I'll tell you this. I, we, I was uh, years ago. I don't know how long ago, but it's a long time ago. I was traveling in Colorado, and it went to this church. It was a brand-new church plant. wasn't a large church. And I, I did a simple message there on healing and, uh, and had, a, had an altar call. And so only about three to five people came up for that altar call because it was a, a smaller church. I taught on the laying on of hands, and then I invited people to have hands laid on them. So these three or five people came up. Well, there's a lady that came up, uh, and I laid hands on her. And there, it wasn't like anything was so spectacular. They said, wow, that's spectacular. Everyone went back to their seat, and I was getting ready to close the meeting. And I said, if you have a, any kind of change or difference in your body, just raise your hand and let us know. So this lady raised her hand, and she said, all of my teeth were all twisted and crooked in my mouth. And after you laid hands on me, they actually all straightened out. And now all of my teeth are all lined up and straight. That's like something really. And when I heard that, I thought, she had more to do with that than I did. Because I simply, I believed that God's power was flowing through my hands, but I didn't know why she was in line. She was believing God for something really big. So with that in mind, let's look at this scripture here. The lady with the issue of blood, Mark chapter 5 and verse 27, it says she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in a crowd and touched his garment. This lady suffered for 12 years. The Bible said she was getting worse and not better. She spent all of her money on doctors, and, and the treatment, it says, was painful. She suffered many things of many physicians, so she had more than one doctor. She spent all of her money, and the treatments were painful, and she was getting worse and not better. That's pretty hopeless going on for 12 years. She heard about Jesus, right? And then she left her house. She pushed her way through a multitude of people, and here's what she said in verse number 28. She said, if I touch even his garments, 
I will be made well. Well, she simply heard something about Jesus and acted on it, and she received a complete healing. But notice how she talked. She said, if I can get to him and touch him, I will be made whole. She was very persuaded that touching Jesus, that power would go into her and heal her. So anytime you have hands laid on you, it's important to be persuaded that when hands are laid on you, there's going to be power going into you. And if you're the one laying hands on somebody, it's really important to believe that power will flow through your hands. Those are two really important elements. So you see this lady, but what you also see with this lady, Jesus was going to Jairus' house in this story. Jairus came to Jesus and said, my daughter's dying, please come. So Jesus starts going to somebody's house, and the lady with the issue of blood, she comes through the crowd and touches Jesus as he's going somewhere else. She determined when she was healed, and she determined how she was healed. Do you see that? So this is why we want to rightly divide the Word of God, because some people say, well, I'm just waiting to see what God will do. I'm just waiting to see what God will do. I'm just waiting to see what God will do. And you know what? Sometimes it's not necessary to wait. It's like good that we do something. Does that make sense? And that's why we say we rightly divide the Word of God. What, when do we wait on God, and, but then when do we receive because we can make that choice. So if I want to know God's will, I'm going to pray concerning the will of God. And until he tells me, like, here's what I mean by God's will. I'm not talking about to be healed physically, but I say, the Lord, do you want me to go to Thailand on a trip to, to minister in Thailand? Lord, let me know. Well, I pray that. Well, it's up to him when he tells me if I should go to Thailand or not. You know, it's not, that's something... I just don't go if I want to pray first and, and see what he has to say about going to Thailand to minister. But if the Bible says by his stripes we're healed and it's already done, then I know the will of God. Jesus took sickness by his stripes, and so by his stripes I'm healed. In that particular case, I'm not waiting on God. I need to go get that and receive it. That's what we call rightly dividing the word of God. So that so God is sovereign, and and he ha, he can we don't we don't know when Jesus is coming back. No one knows that the exact time that Jesus will come back because God is sovereign, and he he'll send him when he wants to. That's the sovereignty of God. But yet in his sovereignty, he sent Jesus to die for us, and to take stripes, and it's already finished. So when it comes to that, it's available now. Okay, here's another one, Romans, the Roman centurion in Matthew 8 and verse 6. My Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And then uh, he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. Well, Jesus offered to go to his house and he said, no. Just say the word. So here again, Jesus tried to determine how that was going to happen. I'll go to your house. But the centurion said, no, all you have to do is speak the word. You don't have to come to my house. And so Jesus spoke the word, and his servant was healed. So there's two stories right there in the Bible where you see that the person that needed healing, they determined how they would receive. So each one of us 
we can determine how we receive healing. What, what, why did they do what they did? Well, the lady with the issue of blood, it normally is determined by what you hear. The lady with the issue of blood heard something really simple about Jesus. She heard he was anointed, and whoever touched him was being healed, or whoever he touched was being healed. And so she said, if I can touch him, I'll be made whole. She acted on what she heard. That's why she chose that. The Roman centurion, now, if you check geographically, see where Jesus went before these two people and see what he did where he was at and what he did there. The lady heard about his healing anointing and touching him. The Roman centurion heard something different because when he was in that part geographically, he exercised authority over a devil, and they start talking about what authority this man has. So the Roman centurion, he heard about Jesus having authority. That's why he chose what he chose. It was based on what he heard. Most of us will act on what we hear and know, and that's how we'll end up receiving. That's why it's important what you hear and what you know will have, it will determine what you have. Those are important things. Does that make sense? Okay. So uh, these two people that we just looked at, you know, in a sense, they were controlling their destiny. And so so that's another thing, you you know, like some people say, well, uh, and I grew up this way, just so you know. I grew up, and we thought God did everything. So, you know, my, my brother died when he was like tw- 21 years old, and we thought God took him. You know, we didn't understand anything, you know. And so I grew up this way. So when I talk about this, I, 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 I know from experience. So, but then when I got saved and start getting into the Word of God, I saw that, you know, hey, there's areas that we control our destiny. You, you see what I'm saying? So anytime that God does something for us, and it's bought and paid for, and it belongs to us, we can receive it. In a sense, we are controlling our destiny in those areas by what we hear, what we believe, and what we say or do. We are controlling our destiny. So that kind of changes. You know, instead of waking up in the morning saying, well, what does God have for me today? Well, he already did quite a bit for us, and we can take his promises and say, this already belongs to me today. This is already mine. I'm not going to wait to see. Now, he, during the day, he might say, go here or go there, and you don't know when he's going to say that. Go over here and talk to that person. That would be something where we rightly divide the word. What does he say there? But every promise that belongs to you when you wake up in the morning, if it's, if it's done and bought and paid for, it's yours, and it's up to us to take those things, okay? Now, here's a time here when Jesus it's totally different than those last two stories we saw. Look at Jesus, John chapter 5 and verse 5. It says, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? So notice this, the lady with the issue of blood, she heard, she left her house, She said, if I touch him, I'll be made whole. She got to Jesus and touched him. His power went into her and drove out the sickness, and she was healed. This is totally opposite now because it says that Jesus saw, Jesus knew, and Jesus said the exact opposite. So we, as the church, there's times that we see, we know, and we say. And see, that's why we say, well, determine how... You know, we want to determine how are we going to minister to that person? 
you know, what's the best way. Sometimes it's good to sit down, open the Bible, and teach one-on-one before you lay hands on somebody. There's other times that there's a, Jesus had a word of knowledge here. The word of knowledge was he saw and he knew. That's like a word of knowledge, and then he acted on that word. So there's times that you could get a word of knowledge for somebody. You already hear something. You already know something, and you just act it out. So that, these, are, these are, when we talk about delivering or dispensing what God gave us, these things are all part of that, okay? Okay, so th- let's look at this. Uh, another thought here uh, as we move on that you can't buy the anointing. It can't be bought. All right, and, uh, and so look at Acts chapter 8 and verse number 19. It says, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said to him, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. And so you cannot buy the power of God. You cannot buy the anointing. Closely related to that, begging, like begging for something that God wants to give freely isn't how we would get it. Crying and being emotional is not how we would get the anointing. Uh, Working up and becoming very feverish and making, like, getting really emotional doesn't mean there's power, although power can show up and make you emotional. In other words, when it shows up first, it can cause you to be emotional, but just getting emotional to try to get it doesn't always bring it, if that makes sense. And then also uh, earning, earning it with your good works, because it's free. By grace are we saved through faith, By grace are we healed through faith. By grace do we serve by faith. Everything that we do is by grace through faith. It's been given to us freely, and then we just respond to it and act on it. So we cannot buy the power. We we don't beg, cry for it. It's given to us freely by him. Something else, the fourth thing that we uh, want to say is willingness and compassion have something to do with us giving out what we have. And you see that, this story that we call the Good Samaritan, uh, you can see that the reason that he was able to help someone is because he was willing and he had compassion on them. So as Christians, um, we could say, if you have something happen in your past where you have, you're just maybe mad or you have some bitterness or some, you know, just something in the past, living, living in that condition can hinder a willingness and a compassion that somebody might need today, but you don't let go of the past. And as a result, you're not giving out something in the present that somebody needs. So uh, with, with this story, and then also sometimes we're just too busy, simply it's busy But Luke chapter 10 and verse 30 uh, says, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan, and they were despised back in that day, came along. 
And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him going over to him. And so what you see is like the least likely person, the one that was despised, is the one that gave out. That speaks in so many different ways because maybe your opinion of yourself is not as good as it can be, that maybe you're not happy with yourself, maybe you don't think so highly of yourself, maybe not aware of how much you have to give. So if you don't really believe you have anything to give, you're not even open to give it out. Uh, but it's just very interesting that the least likely one is the one that was used. And so it is many times that the least likely person is the one that can deliver goods. And that's kind of good news for all of us, isn't it? And so uh, just the willingness to actually give out what we have is a big thing. The fifth thing that would help us is to prepare. You want to prepare. <clears throat> and uh, when we lived in Italy, this, this happened, I'm not sure exactly what year, but we moved to Italy in 1993, and we did a Bible school in Sicily. In the first year of our Bible school, there was a guy named Nunzio, Nunzio Catania. Now, Catania is a city in uh, Sicily, Catania. And they say this. They say Jew, Jews that had to flee and go to other nations, many of the Jews that came into Italy, when they say, what's your name, they had to come up with an answer. So many of them just said a city. Like, so Catania, Nunzio was probably Jewish because he fled and he had to come up with a name real fast. And so his family said Catania. So we know people that have the name Napoli, like Naples, and all these people with city names. They could be very well Jewish people that had to come up with a name. So Nunzio Catania was in prison, and he was there because he killed somebody. He was a killer. And so they have a law in Italy, and it's a kind of a crazy law. If somebody in prison has AIDS, they get released because they don't want the AIDS to get spread to the other prisoners. <laughs> so they release them into society to give all the innocent people AIDS. You know, really smart. Uh, that's when I, I was becoming less proud of being Italian the more I learned about my home nation. But, uh, but so they should change that law, I think. You know, <laughs> but anyway, he found out somebody in prison had AIDS. And so what he did is he said, hey, I want to do a blood thing. So they cut their thing and they, they did that. They did a fusion and Nunzio got AIDS and he got released from prison after he got AIDS. The good news is when he got released, he got born again and saved, found Jesus, became a Christian, and then he ends up in our Bible school. So we're, we, we show up in 1993 and here's Nunzio Catania sitting in Bible school. Big smile on his face, a young Christian, and he's getting ready to go through Bible school. He finished Bible school, and, and then he, after Bible school, the Lord miraculously opened doors for him. He started to go into Catholic churches and preach the gospel. Like hundreds of Catholics were getting saved and healed. Amazing what was going on. But then the AIDS virus kicked in. And you know, that AIDS virus, it's either kicked in or not. When it's not kicked in, everything's fine. But if it kicks in, it starts killing you. So the AIDS virus kicked in, and he had 45 days of a fever, and he was spitting up this green, ugly stuff for these 45 days, and he, he did not sleep for like 45 days. And then his wife finally called me. They're down in Naples, in Napoli, and we're up in Roma, you know. And so she calls, and... um. 
She said Nunzio hasn't slept for 45 days. He ha he's had a fever for 45 days, and he's spitting all this green stuff up. He seems to be dying. Could you please come? And I was scheduled to teach in our Bible school the next morning, but I immediately found somebody to, you know, to, I sw we switched around, and I got on a train and I, to go to Naples. It was only two, two and a half hours to Naples on a train. Well, my first thing is I thought, I'll do a train because it's quiet. I can get in one of those cars and be alone, and I can prepare to minister to somebody that's dying. So I got a car, I got in a car, and I did mainly, I, I start meditating on the word, like Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Uh, Therefore I say unto you, whoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he saith. I start feeding on that scripture. And then I was going over to um, 1 Peter two twenty four. Uh, by his stripes you are healed. And then I was going over to 1 Corinthians, uh, the, the scriptures about, or in the book of Corinthians, about gifts of healings. And I start feeding on those things. And I was feeding on those, and I was even imagining myself laying hands on Nunzio. I was imagining the power of God flowing into him. I was, like, just getting ready and preparing myself to minister to him. So I got there, and typical Italians, that when I got there, there was a six or seven course meal that they had prepared for lunch. And so in the middle of dying, as soon as we sat around the table, Nunzio got happy and he was laughing, joking around after not sleeping for 45 days because we had food. We had a seven course meal and that makes you happy. And in Italy, you know, they have a couch, most of the, they have couches or sofas in their, in their kitchen because that's where they want to be, even after they eat. They just stay there and sit on the sofa. So we had our six or seven course meal, and then we, some stayed at the table and some went to the sofa, and we talked all afternoon because the food just made everyone so happy that it was like re-energizing or something. And so then it's time for supper. And uh, I still did not lay hands and pray for Nunzio. It's time to eat. And so they say, hey, let's go get a pizza. So Nunzio, in his condition, walked down the stairs with us, and we all went to the pizzeria. We ordered our pizza, brought it home, and sat around the table, and then we ate a couple pizzas. And now it's like 6 or 7 o'clock at night, and I started the journey like in the morning. And I thought, man, I, I prayed and I prepared, and I, I still haven't been able to minister. So I thought somebody has to do this. I mean, he's dying, but he's not even asking me to pray for him because he's just excited about the food, you know? So, so I said, let's pray. And so Nunzio got on the, he kind of lay, he, he's kind of like sat on the couch, like with his legs going across one end and he was sitting up. So I, and I, I knew I was going to be able to lay my hands on him. But then I said, let's worship the Lord and take a little time to worship the Lord. So I walked around, and we worshiping the Lord, praying in the Holy Spirit, worshiping God. We didn't do it that long, maybe for 10 or 15 minutes. And then I, I felt the anointing. The power of God was there. I, I, I knew it was there. My, my hands were warm and hot with God's power. So I, I went up to Nunzio, and I laid hands. And the very thing that I prepared myself and meditated on, I spoke to that thing. I cursed that thing. Uh, believed that gifts of healings were flown through my hands, and I did that. Now, there wasn't any spectacular thing. No one, like, went, woo, woo, none of, none of that, you know, nothing. You know, none of that happened. <clears throat> I did that, and I said, okay, I'm going to go to bed, because I was tired, and I had to take the train the next morning back to Rome. So we all went to bed. 
I woke up the next morning, and I'm walking back toward the kitchen, and the door was closed, and I heard a lot of commotion there, and I, you know, I really thought they were f- having a fight or something. Like, uh, and, but when I opened the door, they were actually jumping around and dancing, and I said, what, what's up? And he said, the fever left. I did not spit that green stuff up, and I slept all night for the first time in 45 days. So happy, you know. And then I just got back on the train and went back to Rome. So what, what we want to see in the Bible here is James chapter 5 and verse 14. It says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And here's this part here. It says, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And why is that important? Because if you're going to pray for somebody, you are required to pray the prayer of faith. And if you're going to pray a prayer of faith, you want to prepare yourself. In other words, just don't say, okay, well, and I understand people are busy, but if somebody says, hey, come on over, I want you to pray for me, try to find some time that you can feed and prepare yourself so when you go over their house or wherever it is that you're going to be, you have some preparation time because it will make a difference because you're required then to pray the prayer of faith, all right? And then the sixth thing and final thing that we want to look at today is windows of opportunity. And we'll read a scripture in Acts chapter 14 and verse 7. It says, And there they continued to preach the gospel. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began to walk. Now, that's why sometimes you see a healing evangelist work with people, but it's like these windows of opportunity open up, but they can close also. And what do I mean? Well, it's kind of like maybe later this afternoon, Somebody might say, hey, did you go to church today? And you said, yeah. And they said, well, what, what, you know, what, was, what did they preach on? You say, it was good, but let me think. And it's like two or three hours after church, and you're thinking, what did they preach? You know, I've even done that. I, I was the one that preached. Be- and, and somebody said, what did you preach on today? And I said, um, yeah, it's coming. You know, and so what am I saying? It's like, while, while the preaching is going on, faith can come. And a window of opportunity opens up there that it's a great time to release your faith. That is a time to release that faith. But if it's not done then, it can close back up. And it's just like you're, you're gone, you're in your car, you're driving away. Or let's not even just go with church. You can be at somebody's house sitting at their table and sharing with them. And you notice they have faith right there. It's a great time to release faith. So it's not only just in church, it's anywhere you are. There's like these windows of opportunity that can open up. When the go team goes out, many of them have this window of opportunity and they pray for somebody and people have been healed at the train station in Woodridge, various places like that. It, it, they, people get healed because like a window of opportunity opens up and that's the best time to release faith. So even in your personal life, you could be praying and when you're praying, something can come into your heart. And it's like faith for something comes there. Claim it. 
do something right there because you have faith at that moment. That's the time that you want to take it and possess it. Does that make sense? Okay, let's just have some final thoughts today then. Um, so the, just a few things here. You, you want to make sure you're walking with him, okay? So we know that we're saved by grace. It's not our works. We know God is merciful, and he's forgiving all the time. We understand that. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We understand those things. But along with understanding that, when you have a foot in both places, and that's like your lifestyle, it's like you, you have the Lord, but you also have a foot in the world. You were probably unfocused, and it's really hard to use any faith in a place like that. It's really good to get both feet in, in the kingdom. So I, I know some of you have been around for a long time, and, and you got both feet in, but maybe there's some here that you got a foot in the world and you got a foot in the kingdom and you're straddling both of them trying to play that game. You would probably have a hard time believing God in a, in a place like that. And it's not because God is against you and he's putting condemnation on you. It's because your lifestyle is making it hard at that moment. And so it's really good to say God is merciful. And you can say, Lord, I'm going to let go of all that stuff and I thank you. And I'm going to put both feet in the kingdom. And it makes a difference. And even, uh, even like being addicted to like iPads and phones and addiction to that kind of stuff, it uses so much time. What you, just like we become what we eat in the natural, you know, we also become what we eat spiritually. And even so the thing that we give the most time to affects us. So that to have results, it's better to give it all. I want to say this. I know there'll be some that you'll have a hard time doing that. If you're not ready to do that, the main thing for you is do not get under guilt and condemnation. God will always love you, but know that it's good to, there, when you come to a day that you decide to put both feet in the kingdom. And, and until that time, don't run away from God. He'll love you all the way. It's important for you to know that. But to have better results and to have fruit, you want to get both feet in. Does that make sense? The second thing is, remember our mouths and hands contain miracles waiting to happen. So, you, you know, and it's hard to remember that when you got a foot in both places. But when you decide to get all in, you, you know, you're, you're feeding and you're, bec you're really aware of your mouth and your hands contain miracles. The third thing is, expect a powerful anointing in any setting. So Jesus, there was 19 times that he walked the earth that he ministered one-on-one -on -one to people. Now, he ministered to multitudes all the other times, but when he ministered one-on-one, -on -one, he had spectacular things happen on a one-to-one -one basis. So sometimes we think, well, I don't have like a, maybe a, a pulpit or a platform, and you maybe diminish your thoughts about sitting at a table and ministering one-on-one. -on -one. Jesus did it 19 times, and it was amazing what happened on a one-to-one -one basis. So no matter what setting you're in, believe that there can be a powerful anointing in that setting. And then you want to determine your path of ministry. You know, like when you, somebody says, hey, I need help. 
maybe ask a few questions, see what they're thinking, you, because you might find out that, hey, this person doesn't know this. My first step with this person is to sit at a table, open up the Bible, and share this with them, because if they, if they find this out, then they'll be in a position where I can pray for them. So, you know, just to have that kind of determine your path for each person. And, and I, I can't spend a lot of time on that. And then the last thing uh, is the worship team is coming today. Uh, you want to have an awareness of starting and stopping points. Sometimes, you know, with Nunzio, I had to get my starting point. Uh, and because, uh, you know, but then there's other times that there's like the stopping point is important. When I was traveling in the singing group, years ago, and we were representing the, the large ministry that I, I served, a pastor called in to talk to my, our boss and said, you guys, you taught them how to start, but you didn't teach them how to stop because we had a really long service at this one church, and we kept them up really late, and the pastor called and wasn't happy because we started, but we didn't know when to stop. You know, sometimes if you go too long it diminishes the anointing. And with every person you minister to, there's a starting place and a stopping place. And it's important to know where the stopping place is because going beyond and saying too much can bring less results instead of more results. Does that make sense? Father, I thank you for everyone that's here today, Lord. I thank you, Father, that we're not just a family with love, but we're also an army called for a purpose. So I thank you, Father God, as we teach your word, we're equipping ourselves to be the army. So we love and forgive and we can be mushy, but we're also an army. And so, Father, I thank you for this word that helps us and equips us to be the army, that we're snatching people out of hell. They're coming into the kingdom we're dispensing power and anointing with our words and our hands, with healings and miracles and the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Father, we are an army, and we keep marching forward for the expansion and the growth of your kingdom. So I thank you today for everything that came out, Father, that it would be burnt into everyone's heart. And at the right time and the right moment, you would bring it to their remembrance so they can effectively work in the army. In Jesus' name, I thank you for that. Lord. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rain.org.au.